The Z-Ball Podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome into another episode of the Z-Ball Podcast, recording this on a Wednesday evening in Southern California, about six days removed from the end of the 2022 NBA Finals. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors, the 2022 NBA champions, their fourth championship in eight years, and their sixth finals appearance. And also uh, about 24 hours away from the 2022 NBA Draft, to discuss all this with me, I have on the line from San Diego, California, Jay. What up, Jay? How's it going? Yeah, well, what are you up, man? Doing all right. A little under the weather. You can might tell by my voice, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it was exciting NBA Finals. Looking forward to this draft tomorrow. So I know we have both have a lot to say probably about the Warriors, a lot to analyze and stuff. So let's start off with the Celtics. Uh, what do you think was their the problem in their ultimate downfall in this series? Ultimate downfall. I think being a young team, honestly, you got um, he was a rookie head coach, right? He, is he a rookie head coach? Yeah, he, he was. was assistant, it was, right? it was his first season first as a head coach, head coach. Yeah, first season as a head coach. I yeah. I, I mean, historically, NBA, you got to lose before you win. Right? I know they went to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals a few times, but um, what, what was it like back in the day when like Larry Bird even had pretty, some pretty bad finals too? He kind of reminds me of Tatum even now, you know. He's had a pretty overall bad finals, but I think it's due a lot due to age. Maybe they lost their composure a little bit once um, the Warriors came back from the lead. And I think that really decisive game four where they blew it. They could have went up 3-1 and kind of you know, put a hold on the, the series, but we couldn't get it done. And I think ultimately after they lost two in a row, I think it shook them a little bit because I think they haven't lost two in a row since March, right? Back-to-back games. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. So I think that kind of shook them a little bit. Um, obviously, they had no answer for Clay. I mean, not for Clay, uh, for Steph. And Wiggins did an outstanding job both ways, especially on Tatum. I always appreciate those two-way players. Uh, in fact, took him out of his comfort zone. or some left a lot, I saw. But I think a lot of it's due to age, lost their composure a little bit. Um, game one, you know, you got Derek White, Al Horford, knocking down all those threes. And you knew they weren't going like, to do it throughout the course of the series, and it showed. I think Al Horford just had about 30 points in games two to four, I think. Or two to five? Mm-hmm. I think it was two to five total, as opposed to like this 20. Point outburst in game one, but yeah, I think ultimately that was their downfall. Various factors, obviously. Okay, yeah, for sure. I just thought, uh, I mean, honestly, just watching all six games, I I thought Boston was kind of outplayed or kind of was the better team in four of the six, but just little little stuff down the stretch, little play here or there, and they ultimately some of those games, uh, unfortunately for them, went went the other way to the to Golden State. And like you said, uh, and I just thought very sloppy, very careless with the ball. A lot of those turnovers and the issues showed for, for Tatum. I mean, uh, he, he even kind of questioned himself, is he really a superstar yet or anything like that? So uh, I guess that kind of showed. And it ultimately, it like you said, kind of that game four, uh, I thought for them to win that series, they had to win both in Boston, games three and four even after they split in a Golden State uh, the first two games, and they ultimately weren't able to do that. They were up, I think, by five with like eight, seven, eight minutes left in that game, game four, and then they ultimately ended up only scoring, I think, six points the rest of the game. It was a 
21 to six run, I think, the rest of the way. And Golden State pulled out a 10-point win and were able to get their fourth title in eight, the last eight seasons. So I guess going further on Boston, uh, was this kind of uh, kind of like a one-time thing? I think I mentioned to you they kind of reminded me of Oklahoma City a little bit in 2012. And we thought that team was going to uh, set for like a run of like three or four finals appearances in the next like five, six seasons, but they never got back to the finals once. So what, what do we see for this Boston team going forward? Well, you know, it kind of reminds a little bit of uh, a Phoenix team last year, honestly, where, you know, it's finished, so they took advantage of every team with the exception of Milwaukee that had a significant injury and obviously made their way to the finals. And if you make the case with Boston, they kind of got a little lucky because, you know, obviously with the Nets problem, they didn't have any, you know, I think the coach is debatable. Um, you know, kind of new with Kyrie. This is just a KD show. And you guys, we can really talk about the Celtics if Middleton was healthy. Um, they were up 3-2. I think Bucks would definitely took that series. And again, um, they put Miami up to seven. Jimmy Butler was hurt. Hobble, Tyler Hill was out. Um, so to answer your question, is this a one-time thing? I can definitely see them. I mean, they'll be up there in the East, but with the true contention, I, I don't think so, honestly. Yeah. Let's not forget, they were like below 500 before, before they went on this remarkable run. Um, so it's, I say it's a one time thing. But obviously, with Tatum, um, they were talking about even having trading Jalen, breaking up that duo at one point, right? For a few years now. Yeah, I mean, they've been mentioning it for a while. I think uh, they, were, they weren't willing to part with Jalen Brown to get Kawhi for that one season. I guess, but I mean, it's obviously his name has been mentioned, uh, and Jalen Brown, a lot of trade talks, and then obviously Marcus Smart uh, was not, I mean, good enough for them in this series, and then uh, Robert Williams has shown he was effective uh, defensively, but the thing with him is his injury history, and can he really stay consistently on the floor for 30 minutes a night uh, on a 60-65 game basis? Uh, in the regular season, so we'll see if that if that kind of happens moving forward. A lot of question marks for them for sure. But hey, on the side, as a Laker fan, uh, glad they didn't win. Obviously, you know, <laughs> I don't want them another banner up in their rafters. So <laughs> that's always a plus for me, honestly. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, pretty amazing. I think in our, in our lifetime, they've only won one championship uh, in '08. Yeah. So. Uh, yep, but obviously, many many before that. But even if they won this one, I I think I probably still would have been of the opinion that the Lakers are still the best franchise in the NBA. So, but oh yeah, for sure. I mean, historically, they, every every decade they've had like they've been more, way more consistent. It's like you said, during our lifetime, it's just been one shit, essentially. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I guess for Boston moving forward, a lot of people are saying. Uh, that lack of like the playmaking point guard because really the only kind of ball handling guy was Tatum and and Smart and you kind of saw the issues with Brown there. Obviously he played well and pretty good in the finals, but it's it wasn't really seemed like he's a guy that can really create off the dribble and kind of make his own plays or or dribble all that much. So we'll see kind of what happens moving forward for Boston and then. Uh, going into the playoffs, obviously, I thought Milwaukee was the class of the East. And unfortunately, they had the injury to Middleton, and that, and they still almost kind of won in six versus Boston, and took that awesome Tatum game in Game Six to get that to Game Seven, and Boston ultimately won with uh, good role play from players like Grant Williams and uh, Peyton Pritchard and some other guys. So, but ultimately, those role players did not show up for Boston. And they looked gassed uh, in this one. They had like a 7-8 man rotation. And that ultimately derailed them in against Golden State, a much more experienced, uh, composed Golden State team. So let's move on to the Golden State side of things. So I think I mentioned to you that Curry, both Curry and Kobe got their finals MVP, first finals MVP in their 13th season in their fourth title and in their sixth finals appearance. And I, I told you, you'll probably be seeing a lot more 
Kobe uh, and Curry comps now on, on Twitter and all, all throughout media and stuff. So what does this do for uh, Curry as far as kind of like the pantheon uh, of guys and players and rankings and stuff like that for you? Hey, you know, some people were talking about is he top 10 all time. I don't think you can definitely put him there, but um, I mean, with just him leading his team, and you can make the case this is probably one of his worst teams during his championship runs. I would say, um, especially with Clay hobbled and obviously Draymond a little older and stuff. But he was like, this is definitively, he's the guy that led his team. Um, something that KD hasn't done, you know. Um, but for his legacy, is it, what was your question? I'm sorry, well, what does it do for his legacy? So what where, where, what does it do like for him being in, in the Pantheon? So I think you kind of answered it. You don't think he's in the top 10 yet. So where where do you think he is right now at, after w- winning this title, ooh, that's a tough one. But uh, if he is top ten or someone like who do you honestly kick out of the top ten um, to put him ahead? I, I definitely put him ahead of KD at this point in terms of like overall career achievements. I would say he's above KD for sure, but I don't know if you're gonna rank him. I mean, you gotta be in the top twenty, right, all time. Yeah, I think for me, for me, uh, he was kind of between fifteen and twenty going into this NBA Finals. I think after kind of the performance we saw, the thirty-one points a game, obviously that game four, forty-three points, getting his first Finals MVP. This is, in my opinion, the second uh, title team that where he's the best player on the team uh, of the four that he's won. Uh, and then all the other stuff like the the MV, two MVPs and kind of the body of the the body of work uh, thirteen seasons, I, I would say somewhere in the thirteen twelve range, probably slightly ahead of KD right now. I mean, but KD has a very a good resume in my opinion as well, and I don't think we can completely kind of just forget what a KD's impact to the Golden State Warriors fan. Uh, Team, because I think, in my opinion, this is what a eight-year run, or if you want, if you want to call it a run, dynasty, whatever. I think KD was a very vital and large, large part to their success. I mean, to this dynasty, so or or run, whatever you want to call it. I think he's in large part responsible for at least half of the the, the dynasty or the run, or we want to call it. So, I I I don't like that kind of kind of uh, narrative that's being built uh, that we all all of a sudden just dismiss what kind of the impact KD had on uh, kind of that Warriors run, this Warriors run, uh, because I think I think KD is kind of what brought them to that next level and put them in that conversation with the 01 Lakers and the 96 Bulls and the 87 Lakers and the 86 Celtics, the 83 76ers, and whatever other great teams you want to compare them to. I think that conversation takes place just because of the addition of KD. So I don't I don't like the narrative that is kind of being built by Warriors fans being dismissive of Durant <laughs> his time there and I think uh, so what what's kind of your your take on the, like the Warriors run and stuff so because I, all the well, yeah, all the talk that it's, it's it's they don't really mention Durant in, in, in this whole run or anything. So, I mean, I I mean, I understand it, Derek. I mean, he, he, like you said, he was such a big part of uh, your championship. They don't. I don't think they win honestly without him, with like LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love. I'd say twenty seventeen. They they probably don't win. That Cleveland team was really good. 2018, if if they get past Houston without Durant, they probably beat that Cleveland team just because of Kyrie leaving and it, it was just basically LeBron, one-man show, and then Kevin Love and some other guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm always like going back and forth. Like, at the same time, you know, everyone would always probably remember like he went on uh, the 73 and 19 team that kicked him out. He was up 3-1 the playoffs but like you said his impact when he was there I think it I mean I think that's part of the reason why he left because he wasn't getting enough credit that he thought he deserved um, he was always overshadowed by Curry because uh, Curry's a homegrown star so rightfully so but I think he was getting just tired of just not getting 
felt like he's not getting the credit he deserved. And but there's always this, I think, a little asterisk when you see it. Like especially now, if he can't lead his own team to a chip, it just kind of feeds him more to a narrative you speak of. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think both things can be true, right? You can give Steph his flowers and say that he can win on a kind of kind of lead his own team to a championship, be the best player. I think we already saw that in 2015, in my opinion. And also, you can also say that Durant was the best player in 17 and 18 on those titles. So I, I just kind of... So how do you kind of categorize this Warriors run compared to other great dynasties, what the Lakers of the 80s, Lakers of the 2000s, uh, the Spurs run from 97 to... 2014, the Bulls run obviously in the 90s. So, what where does where do these Warriors kind of uh, fare with with those other great uh, runs and teams? I mean, it's up there. I, I think you can compare with the Spurs just because it's what you said four titles in eight years. I think Spurs has something similar, right, in that decade or so. Uh, I, I, I think the Spurs. I mean, initially they had what 99. 03, 05, 07, so what is that? That's four and nine seasons. And then they got that yeah. one in 2014, so that's like a total of, I think, five and what? Oh, five. five. I think five and like 16 seasons, something like that. And then overall, I mean, like, it, yeah, it was like 19 seasons where they won like, I think, 50 games in the 17 and 19 or something like that. But. It's crazy, honestly. Um, but they're definitely up there with the, one of the greatest teams and franchises now. Like they're running pretty remarkable to have this quick turnaround, honestly. From obviously Clay being hurt, but just to have Clay back midseason, I think he came back in January, and just like boom, just right back in it. I think it just goes to show, you know, great organization, great um, front office. But they're definitely, I think, a notch below uh, the Spurs. Uh, definitely a notch below the Lakers and the Bulls because. They three-peated. And that Bulls run of what, uh, within a span of eight years, uh, six chips, and Michael Jordan never retired. Who knows, man? He was dominating that era, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. And then you got Kobe and Shaq as well, three-peated. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people kind of have, uh, like, kind of, uh, kind of what their definition of a dynasty is. I, I would consider them a dynasty, but it's kind of a weird dynasty, in my opinion, just because... They added one of what the second best player, in kind of in that mid, in the middle part of the dynasty. So I don't I don't know how like I mean that would be like akin to what that would be akin to like the Lakers in like oh one or oh two adding Tim Duncan or the Lakers in twenty ten yeah, exactly. adding what the Lakers in twenty ten adding what like Dwayne Wade or something right so or two thousand nine. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know how you. So it's kind of... Yeah, that's, a, that's a knock on KD. I think that's always going to go with him as a resume, so he kind of wins it as the guy, the definitive guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, in my opinion, I think he was the best player on the, those two championship teams just throughout the entirety of the season. Oh, Obviously, yeah. there's going to be people like uh, Charles Barkley calling him the bus rider and stuff like that. Yeah, but, yeah. But I don't think that's accurate, and I, I think... I think you can't really, as the Warriors, you can't really say, oh, we have kind of a homegrown team when within an hour of the fi losing the 2016 finals, you know, Draymond Green is texting Durant, like, get fucking ready. We need you, right? you know? So, like, there's kind of like, it's kind of, crazy, it's kind of like a weird gray area kind of, kind of with this run. I I, it's, it's a, definitely a dynasty, in my opinion, a run, but it's, it's kind of a kind of like a weird type thing, and then, but like going back to Steph, uh, if we kind of say I, I I think I told you that it's it's very similar trajectory to Kobe, kind of his career, just kind of with the way he kind of he won kind of like some titles. Obviously, it wasn't like definitively like the best player, and then he got the. The, then the final. Then he kind of went through some like bad years where he missed the playoffs, and then kind of got back in the mix now with this title. Let's see. Obviously, they're now the betting favorites to win next season in twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. So, in that aspect, I, I think it's similar to Kobe. But as far as like careers, I don't. 
I hesitate to kind of put him in the class of Kobe just because I think Kobe was, in my opinion, was a much better defender. And oh, yeah. I think yeah. a lot of a lot of the the narrative is going to Steph is is becoming a good defender. I mean, I, I'd say he's a competent defender in a team setting, but I don't think he's ever been an elite defender at any point in his career at, at the kind of level that Kobe was. I mean, although oh, I think, yeah, sure. although I think Kobe probably got three too many all defensive first team selections, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, I don't think Steph has ever kind of been at that level, elite level defensively at any point in his career. So that's where I kind of hesitate to kind of put him in the class of Kobe. Obviously, I mean, we look at Steph like career wise. I uh, just turned thirty four in March. I think he has a little over 20,000 career points. If he continues uh, at like a like five, six more seasons, can you think he can get to 30,000 career points? Where's he at right now? I think he's a little over 20,000, maybe like 20,400, uh, something like that, 20,200. Oh, you know, with his game, I mean, he's going to age well. He doesn't really rely on too much on athleticism. I mean, it's just shooting, mainly, right? And with that type of skill set, you, you're going to age like wine, honestly. So can he approach 30? But he's 34 now, right? He's just turned 34, yeah, correct. Dang, so I don't know. I don't think he'll, he'll get it. No, the 30K? He's barely at, you say he's barely at 20? I think he's a little over 20, like 20,220. I don't know the exact number, but a little over 20,000. Oh, I'm looking at right now. He's 20,064 points. Okay. So 20,064. Uh, at 34, I mean, let's say he plays in there six years. How much points do you usually get in a, in a year? So even for the next five know. seasons, he would have to get 2,000 total points, right, for per, per season? Yeah. 2,000. Is he going to approach his 40s? I don't know. I say no. You say Probably no. He might be close. Okay. Yeah, I think he'll he'll end up close or either a little above. I mean, and then I think he'll be somewhere in the ballpark of what six thousand assists, some seven thousand assists. I think the rebounds. I think he won't be. He might be over five thousand, but let's see. I mean, that will be probably tough to get. But I think. Oh yeah, I think so. I think all the all NBA. I think all NBA first team. I think he has four. I think that's where he's going to kind of fall short, I think, too. Kind of with some of these guys, whatever, whoever you want to say, like Jordan, LeBron, Kobe. Uh, who else? Uh, Magic. Kareem. Dirk. Yeah, Dirk. I mean, Dirk, I mean, probably isn't in kind of the same ballpark just because uh, Dirk is probably somewhere 15 to 20 or whatever just because... I guess with this lone MVP, the lone title, uh, an impressive yeah. title in 2011. But I'd say Curry, yeah, probably slightly ahead of Durant right now, 12 or 13, where, in my opinion, uh, a lot of people are kind of putting him in that top 10. And then even some delusional, deranged Warriors fans are putting him in the same uh, aspect of Magic and LeBron, <laughs> which I don't agree with. Oh, my God. That's just ridiculous, honestly. No way. <laughs> But yeah, because well, he no. didn't really ascend to like when it took him a few years to really get to that like perennial all star superstar stats, right? He didn't come off like all star right off the gate. Yeah, I mean, his first playoff appearance was, I think, what his fourth season, and then he obviously he he dealt with those those ankle issues early on in his career as well. That was a little bit of a setback. And the, the trainers really worked with him to kind of uh, strengthen his ankle and kind of get to that level where he can be more durable, uh, stronger, more consistent. So I think that kind of like the, the setting off moment for him, I think, was a game in 2013 at the Garden when he scored, I think, like 54 or 55, something like that. That was kind of like the like the uh, launching off moment. And I think they... That 2013 semifinals, they, they gave the, the Spurs a, a pretty good run. Uh, they lost that series in six. And then the next season, they took the Clippers to seven. 
that was the last time they lost in the playoffs before getting to the finals. And then when Steve Kerr came, that was like oh what that was his first MVP season. And then he had the following season he had the unanimous, the only unanimous MVP in NBA history. So he he like you said, yeah, he took him a little uh, a little while to get going. So that's why he'll probably be lacking a little in kind of those all-NBA selections. And probably in the kind of like the counting stats, he won't get to like that 30,000 probably because of that. But, I mean, he could get to 30,000. I mean, if he plays like what early into his early 40s kind of as a role guy, like off the ball. And like you said, he's, he, his body's going to age and his game is below the rim so it's it's definitely going to age well in the today's nba but let's see kind of where he goes from here kind of uh with if, if he gets any more all nbas and or kind of like any anything like that like all nba first teams and stuff like that let's see how many more he gets in his career i don't think he's going to win any, any more mvps yeah i think that's uh with the players like you know yeah yeah it's going to be their job yeah so, I mean, historically, I mean, I think there's only been, like, I think in the last, like, 35, 40 years that there's only been, like, maybe seven, eight MVPs who are over the age of 30. So, that's going to be tough for him to win again. But let's get to kind of, like, the Warriors. So, this season, uh, they had, they showed they had, like, that, the kind of the veteran core still back with... Iguodala, Clay Thompson, Steph, Draymond. Then they also had the ascension of some young guys moving forward. Uh, obviously, Jordan Poole. Uh, what's uh, Wiseman was injured the whole season, uh, and then Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody had little flashes. So, what do we see from them uh, going forward in the future? Obviously, uh, Wiggins as well. He was spectacular. I was. I still don't think he should have been an all-star starter, but you got to give uh, him major props for the the finals performance that he had. He was the only consistent player aside from Steph throughout the entirety of the finals for the Warriors, and I think he's found a really good uh, fit for himself in his career. And then uh, what do we see from them moving forward? They're the favorites to win next season's title. Do we see, was this kind of like a window title, kind of considering some of the other other teams in the West this season? What do you think? I don't know. There's a lot of ascending teams. But, you know, I I thought one was honestly out two years ago when Clay was out. I was like, oh, the run was over. Obviously, it's wrong. It's right back in it. But when ascending teams like, you know, Memphis um, and Denver can get back um, Jamal Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr. healthy. You never know with the Lakers. You know, Lakers are always going to win now, though, especially now with LeBron. Who knows what they're going to do? Um, Cooper's with Kawhi back, I think, probably next year, I'm assuming. Yeah, D- Dallas. Dallas, exactly. They picked up a good pickup. Um, forgot the, the dude's name, but you mentioned that. I think he was a pretty solid pickup, right? Yeah, they got Christian Wood. I mean, he's very good offensively. A little questionable defensively for them. I think he's 6'10", 6'11". Power forward center type, so I think he'll he'll really help out Luca there. So you got a lot of sending teams. They'll be up there. I mean, uh, you can't hate. I mean, they'll be up there with the young uh, assets as well. Jordan Poole. Let's see if James Wiseman actually plays. Um, I'm always biased towards like veteran teams, championship experience. I wish they uh, everyone showed during the finals. Um, they'll be contending. I think if their window closed, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think they're, I mean, they might not win the title next season, but they're definitely going to be in the mix of those contending teams, both in the West and in the NBA. And then, I mean, obviously, I think some guys are, I think you just mentioned Wiseman. I think just because they have him, I think they're going to let Kevon Looney walk. I think he's a free agent. I think Otto Porter's a free agent as well. Uh, they're going to have to give Jordan Poole a pretty big extension. And then, uh, kind of, we'll see what happens. Kind of, yeah, I think Wiggins probably next season, probably Draymond as well, if I'm not mistaken. But 
I just don't Sorry, see them. The highest payroll, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure, they're 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 not afraid to spend the the luxury tax, and then I don't. Let's see, kind of see what happens moving forward. Kind of with, I don't see them ever moving off Clay, just because of the whole yeah, relationship that he's built with Steph Curry and kind of the him being one of the core guys in, in their run that they've drafted and the culture that they've built there. So. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I agree with what you said. Alrighty, so uh, any more thoughts on the finals, the Warriors, Celtics, anything like that? That was a great finals. Um, I thought it was pretty competitive. Um, you know, it kind of went back and forth. Uh, a lot of intrigue. Uh, one thing to know, I think Curry was definitely missing, definitely missing that iconic finals performance, and he definitely willed his team the victory during that. Uh, Decisive uh, was a game game four, game four, right? Yep, yeah, it was game four. Um, I thought it was an all time performance in the final hit big shots. Um, you know, give, give him the flowers, man. But I was thoroughly impressed with Wiggins. Yeah, Wiggins was spectacular, like I said. I and then Curry, yeah, like you said, he never had that kind of like signature game in the playoffs. He's had some good games in the finals before. Uh, game five of the 2015 finals, game four of the 2016 finals, I think game three of the 2019 finals, and they had 47 and they lost. But this this was the one I think that stands out amongst all his playoff games, considering the stakes uh, in Boston in a hostile environment at the TD Garden, and he came up and delivered big with 43 points and willed the Warriors to victory in that game. And, completely changed the whole momentum and trajectory of the series so major props to him uh he for sure is a pantheon guy in my opinion one of the 13 best players in nba history so let's see uh kind of what his career holds uh moving forward uh, as he goes into his mid uh, mid 30s but it should be fun uh watching him play and f it should be fun watching this warriors team fully back together next season. I agree. Props to Clay, too. You know, I'm not a huge Warriors fan, but you always appreciate two devastating uh, injuries, potentially career-ending, but coming back, seeing them, I appreciate that, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Clay missed, what, I think 940 days or something between Ooh, his, yeah. like, between the Game 6 of the Finals, where, with the last game where he started, and then the first game he started... This season, I think it was in January, so it was like 940 days and two gruesome uh, injuries and to his, each of the different legs, an Achilles injury and an ACL. So it's it was a long road back for him, uh, major props to him. So should be fun to see them moving forward. Let's discuss now some early like free agency stuff. So, uh, I mean... This is not like a major free agent class. We have some um, some names: Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, uh, obviously James Harden. DeAndre Ayton is a restricted free agent. Uh, Kyrie Irving. Let's let's talk about Kyrie Irving. Uh, there's been a lot of chatter the last few days about Kyrie Irving. He has a player option, and s seems like he hasn't really given the Nets a full kind of consistent season thus far in his first, what, four seasons with the Nets? Or three He's seasons? pretty much been a disaster since he uh, left LeBron. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. And uh, he's kind of acknowledged that uh, he kind of made a mistake with uh, kind of leaving LeBron. So what do you think happens there with Kyrie? Where do you think he ultimately ends up? I mean... Uh, there's been a few teams linked, the, obviously the Nets, and then there's been the Knicks, the Lakers, the Clippers. What do you think happens with Kyrie? You know, as much trouble Kyrie gives uh, his team, the organization, stuff like that, you can't deny his talent. And I wouldn't be mad if Lakers picked him up, honestly. That talent, maybe with LeBron now, a more mature Kyrie, maybe kind of keep him in check a little bit. And playing for that Lakers organization, you know, he idolized Kobe. Um that would be awesome, honestly, if we can get Kyrie. There was this crazy trade I saw on first, thing, first things first where they threw out um, AD, Russell Westbrook for Kyrie and Ben Simmons. 
I heard about that one, yeah. That, that was that would be pretty I really interesting. Mind that, honestly. Yeah. Um Ben Ben Simmons question mark. Who knows if he really wants to play for the Nets or play in general? Um obviously Kyrie, um I think you even mentioned stuff like you said about like potentially teaming up with LeBron kind of teasing it, but you know, Kevin Durant can pretty much snip it in it, but I don't really see Kevin KD and Russ back together, but Russ has an expiring contract, so it can be very valuable. Um, but ultimately, I, I, you know, I've already read stuff like the Nets don't really want to give him that max contract extension just because uh, it's so unpredictable. Something happens in the world, he can just take, take time off. Uh, yeah, for sure. Was a vaccine. The vaccination shouldn't be a problem anymore. But again, something can happen. He's just like, I just want time off. I heard this crazy, other crazy story. It was really disrespectful where Stephen A was saying how after Nash ran his practices, Kyrie would gather people and run another practice right afterwards. Yeah, I heard about, you hear that. about that. Yeah, I heard about that. That That's... is just insane. The disrespect to Nash. Now, we know in the beginning he said. Well, he didn't see Nash as a head coach. I could be the head coach. KD can be the head coach. So, that ego, man. Is it worth all that for any franchise, though? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of off-court baggage that comes with Kyrie. Like you said, we can't deny the on-court talent as we've seen in the Cleveland days, those big series that they played. He, he played alongside LeBron. Uh, we even saw some good playoff games from him uh, with the Nets this season. I think... In that first round, I think that game one that he had, that was spectacular. But uh, I think he owes it to Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin Durant has really uh, upchanged his career. He yeah, he vouched for him. I mean, he's kind of sacrificed a lot in his career to team up with him. And he owes Kevin Durant at least one full season where they have a legitimate shot at kind of contending in the East and going for a title. I mean, that first season, uh, unfortunately, Durant was injured. Uh, Kyrie and then shut it down as well towards the end. I think they made the uh, the playoffs and like one of those upper seeds, but then didn't really do much in the playoffs with kind of Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, some of those other guys. And then the next season, Kyrie got injured in the playoffs and wasn't really a factor. Uh, now, this past season, the whole uh, vaccination stuff, uh, he didn't get vaccinated, and so he missed a lot of games, and he was just kind of like not mentally there. So he owes Duran, in my opinion, and the Nets a full season where he's 100% there for training camp, all the preseason games, playing at least 65 games throughout the course of a season, giving it his all, being a good teammate. And he owes Durant and the Nets at least one season where they can play it out to kind of contend for a title. So let's see if that happens. Is it crazy we're just asking for one consistent season with Kyrie? Just one. <laughs> and then not the, the full, fulfill the, a full contract, just one season. Yeah, it's that's nuts. That's where we're at with Kyrie right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it's nuts. I mean... Uh, the talent is undeniable, man. That dude's handles is just insane. Yeah, I mean, his, his handles, his shot, I mean, he's one of the most, you could say one of the most skilled players uh, we've ever seen, but just, uh, I guess, like, skill doesn't, uh, isn't the entire package. It doesn't get you everything. So that's kind of, this. he's like exactly. the prime example of that. And Oh, yeah. That's why it's just not priority for him, it seems, these past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we'll see kind of what happens. I mean, as a Clipper fan, I don't want him on the the Clippers. I just don't. <laughs> I, don't I, I just don't think. I don't kind blame of, you, man. He'll kind of mess up the vibe, in my opinion. But <laughs> we'll Yeah, I heard, I heard his whole um, Feng Shui thing was at work vibing too well with James Harden. What was he doing? That, uh, he was doing that Phil Jackson stuff. What was it called? Oh, the Zand incest stuff and all that? Yeah, the incest stuff, yeah. Um I read I Uncle James Harden just roll his eyes like, "What the hell? That's not for." Yeah, I I mean, like he's a, a lot of off court baggage comes with Kyrie, but he he yeah, he will reward sure. it with talent on the court and some some good performances. Uh, where we just want to see more consistent, more durable uh, performances 
from him. So we'll see if he, we can see that next season. I think most likely he'll end up back with the Nets. I mean, probably on a, on a new deal. But if the Lakers were to get him, I think that's I think that would be kind of a, a good pickup for them. I mean, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Any over Russell Westbrook, man, I am just ship his ass out. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so like I never see a player just not take any ownership of his like his shortcomings. Like he just like it all blame during his exit interview. But you know that, that's another topic of conversation. <laughs> Yeah, let's see like, kind of what happens. Uh, let's l- look at some other free agents. What what do we see for Harden, Levine, ba- Bradley Beal, DeAndre Ayton? What, what do you think about some of these guys? Well, all signs point to, um, I think, Harden opts in for sure. Uh, whether yeah. they give him an extension, I don't know. I'm hearing that they might, but it might be like a shorter term rather than that fully loaded one. I yeah, maybe two, X. three seasons, something like that. Yeah, I've heard stuff like that. So I think he stays with Philly. I mean, where else is, is he really going to go? Um, I don't see it. He just opts out. He's not going to get that much money elsewhere based on his, uh, his season, especially the playoff performance. So I think he stays on a shorter-term deal. Obviously, I think he opts in because I think he's nearly making like $50 million, right? Yeah, I think. If he opts in. Yeah, I think so, yeah. He's up there. I think yeah. he's over 40 for sure. Yeah. Um, who else? Zach Levine. I think he's a. Does he have opt-in option? Opt-in or is he just I think straight up unrestricted? Right straight now? up unrestricted, I believe. Zach Levine. I heard the Lakers' name uh, earlier in the you know summertime in the playoffs, but I'm not sure if that's very. I mean, they'll have to do some sort of sign trade, right, to match up the salaries. Yeah, they would probably the have Lakers to do a can't sign up straight up a sign and trade, and then maybe <laughs> Westbrook is an expiring is. Enticing to them, maybe I don't know. Yeah, with the Bulls, I mean, well, where, where are they at right now? They kind of like you know, yeah, Lonzo, who's I think when he's on the floor, he's he's good. Um, maybe an All Star two down the line, but not yeah. perennial All Star. Rosen's getting older. Um, I think ultimately, Bulls give him that match, and he's just gonna take it. I think for him, is just secure the bag. Yeah, and I think Bulls are gonna give it to him. Um, who's the other guy you mentioned? Oh, DeAndre Ayton is definitely out, for sure. Um, especially with how the playoffs win and, you know, the clashing with the front office. He's going to get the max, for sure. It's just now depending where, honestly. Yeah, he's restricted, yeah. and uh, if he signs an offer sheet, then the Suns can't trade him. So I, I, I yeah, would I think, think, yeah. I Suns match. I, I would think the Suns maybe try to trade him. him. I mean, maybe he he ends up in Detroit. Maybe, maybe it's a sign oh, and like trade. Sign and trade? Maybe it's a sign and yeah, trade I for can see that happening. with Utah for Rudy Gobert. Who knows? So yeah, because you can't leave him, let him leave for nothing. That'd yeah. be such a waste, honestly. Yeah. Um, bad management, and uh, but you never know with Robert Sarlin, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> with all that shit happening, and uh, I don't know. Uh, question marks for them too, but yeah, I don't see him staying for sure. Um, Detroit, like you said, maybe we'll go there. They're looking to blow it up over there, right? I think one or two have to go, either um, Donovan Mitchell or Gobert. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't see them. I don't see them coming back with the same construction. Utah, just yeah. Too many failed playoff I runs. Agree. Yeah, for them. So. The time is up. I mean, it's like it's not working. So you got you got to mix it up a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, let the coach go. So ran its course. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Ran its course. Um, what other uh, free agents, potential free agents, can be out there? Uh, after that, it kind of gets like it gets a little. So Miles Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Simons, Lou Dort, Colin Sexton. So. Pretty decent drop off after those six that we mentioned. Yeah, I think it's more so intrigued about the trades that's going to go down. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, there was there was a trade today. Jeremy Grant got t- traded to Portland. So that could be kind of the, the first sign that they're interested in uh, getting uh, doing uh, clearing up space to make room for DeAndre in Detroit. So... 
don't think that's really gonna work out for DeAndre Ayton. You know, he really thrived in that and the Chris Paul. Kinda of reminds of like Tyson Chandler, maybe. Obviously yeah. not as high flyer, but Chris Paul works really well with bigs. Um I don't think he's gonna be as successful, but I think for him he just wants to secure the bag. As most players do, right? Yeah, that seems to be the MO of most players and uh I don't blame them. So Yeah, exactly. Rightfully so. I mean yeah, I don't, I don't blame it. No. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, that was just a little early preview. I will see. I, obviously, the main chatter has been about Kyrie recently, but we'll see what happens with that. Let's get into a little draft preview for the 2022 NBA draft. The Orlando Magic have the first pick. So the three guys that have been mentioned as being somewhere in the top three and a lot of different mock drafts are... Jabari Smith Jr., his dad played in the NBA a few seasons and overseas. He's also a distant cousin of Kwame Brown. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then you have Chet Holmgren, who's the, the center from Gonzaga. Uh, Seven-foot, buck 95, a little frail. Uh, let's see how he kind of pans out. He's very skilled, uh, great passer, great ball handler. Can shoot the the three, and then you have Apollo uh, uh, Bancaro from Duke. So Bancaro and Smith, they're kind of like those uh, tailored kind of wing guys that you want on your team today. They can play small small forward, power forward. They can handle the ball, shoot, um, play, make, make plays, defend. So I guess for Orlando, kind of just looking at, at their draft history since uh, Dwight was traded to the Lakers, we have uh, some of their top picks that they've drafted. Oladipo, Aaron Gordon, Dario Saric, Mario Hazonia, Domantas Sabonis, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, Cole Anthony, J Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner. So I think... Uh, a lot of uh, people are kind of saying go for Chet Holmgren, but I, I think that would be a mistake. That would kind of just be going to kind of the, the guys that they've been drafting and Isaac and Mo Bamba who haven't really panned out. And I think to fill their roster, they need, obviously they have Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, and Wagner, and then Wendell Carter. I, I think Chet Holmgren, seven foot, 195 pounds, I think he's a little too frail. I just think they kind of need that one of those preeminent wings. And we've seen that's kind of like where the game is moving towards. If you have one of those kind of premier wing guys who can is very versatile, can do it all, that's kind of what it's moving towards. So I think they got to go for Jabari Smith or Bancaro, one of the two. And I think that's kind of like, because they kind of need to make a splash in my opinion. And they need to kind of, they haven't really been contended seriously since probably the 2011 season. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. But I think they got to go. Jabari Smith would probably be the guy. But if not Smith, Boncaro, I, I don't think they should go anywhere near Chet Holmgren, in my opinion. But we'll, we'll, we'll see kind of what happens. But with that, I mean. But as some other, obviously Oklahoma City has the, the second pick. Houston has the third pick. So wh where do you think they should go with some of these picks? I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not too attuned with the college uh, players. I'm going to probably have to defer to you on that one, honestly. Okay. Yeah, like I said, those those three guys are the main guys uh, that would be would be there. So... Oklahoma City, uh, I think they they really like Chet Holmgren. Uh, let's see kind of what he, what he does. Like I mean, a lot of uh, some comps are being made to Giannis for him, just because he kind of has that lanky frame, that awkward kind of body coming in, as Giannis did when he came to the NBA when he, in twenty thirteen. Let's see if he fills out and gets more buff, but obviously very talented. I just I don't know if I really trust kind of his frail body frame. That's kind of my concern. So I would opt for the wing guys 
and Jabari Smith Jr. or Boncaro. 6'10 guys, versatile, can do it all. And kind of let's see what happens with Sacramento. Uh, the fourth best guy being Jaden Ivey, a point guard. Do they get another point guard uh, after getting all those point guards and De'Aaron Fox, Halliburton, uh, Davion Mitchell? They obviously really like the combo that they had in the second half last season with Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. They think they can kind of build off that with under Mike Brown, the new head coach. So let's see kind of where they go because Jaden Ivey is clearly the fourth, the, the best guy after those three. And then aside from that, I mean, uh, the only other thing that kind of interests me in the draft is there's a guy from Serbia named Nikola Jovic. So it would be interesting to me if Denver were somehow to draft this guy, 6'11", like small forward, power forward guy. He's from Serbia as well. So they would have Nikola Jokic and Nikola Jovic, both from Serbia. So yeah. that would... <laughs> I easy to get the names mixed up, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. So that would be interesting, but... Uh, that would be funny. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty funny if it if it happens. And there, He's kind of in that range between... 20 and 25, and Denver has the 21st pick, so let's see if they go with him. They have brought him in for a workout, too, so. All right, right on, man. I'm honestly more interested to see what trades go down during the draft. Yeah, there Uh, should be probably some trades as far as kind of like positioning and stuff goes, for sure. Like kind of some teams moving up and some teams trading draft picks. We We already saw with Portland trading it. A twenty twenty five pick to get uh, Jeremy Grant twenty twenty five first rounder. So there obviously should be there. Could, there could be some trades with Sacramento. Uh, obviously moving out of the fourth spot and kind of uh, getting a couple of picks from another team that wants to move into the fourth spot to draft Jaden Ivey. We'll see about that. Should be some good intrigue tomorrow. It's always exciting during the draft. I think. Best, so. Yeah, the draft is always fun. It's kind of the 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 kickoff to free agency and the NBA offseason, so should be a fun event. Uh, we'll we'll kind of see what happens, but nonetheless, that'll wrap it up for this podcast. Jay, thanks so, so much for coming on. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoy the NBA draft and the NBA free agency. I'll be back in about three weeks to discuss all the kind of free agency trades, stuff like that. But until then, stay safe and enjoy the draft.